countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the divining rod to my dousing, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Doing good. Doing very good. Nice and relaxed. <laughs> yes, that's because we're coming off the holidays, which, of course, means a little bit less work and a little bit more relax. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And the kids go back to school and like what? Five days. Oh, according to my wife, not soon enough. Yeah, but glorious nonetheless. Over the hump. Now going into the final stretch. It's good times. I, I do have to say, it's nice having the kids around, but they do excel when they are kept on a schedule and the holidays is anything but a schedule. Yeah, true that. True that. Well, as always, let's get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and help us keep the servers humming. Without you, the show just maybe even wouldn't be. So thank you. And if you like posting Facebook comments on our website, well, I have sad news. The Facebook comments are going to go away real soon. This is because our wonderful, awesome Facebook group has pr- pretty much replaced any need of having Facebook comments enabled on our website. Yeah, if you haven't joined our group yet, like, go join our group. The the, the party's all there, and the party's happening. And it's hot. It is hot. Got anything to add to that, Jonathan? Mm, no, you pretty much summed it up in a very succinct and... Uh Excellent way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, one last thing before we get going. Jonathan, happy National Joy Germ Day. D- National what? <laughs> this fits our podcast perfectly. July 8th, today, annually recognizes National Joy Germ Day, uh, which was created as a day to remind people across the country that being positive and treating people with Wait, kindness. did you say July 8th? January 8th. Maybe I did say July 8th. I'm really tired. <laughs> Anyway, it's the day to be positive to people because then they spread the positivity. So happy like National like Joy that, Germ Day. It does yeah. fit the podcast well. It does. It does. It seemed perfect. It seemed perfect. So use your hashtag National Joy Germ Day and post stuff on social media. It was created in 1981. So there you go. It's It's been going for what? 28 years? 27? 37. I have no idea. Good times. Good times. Joy germ. Spread those joy germs. Cough the joy germs on all your friends sneeze and then like wipe it all on your hand and like wipe that joy germ on everybody you know well nothing says the 37th anniversary of an activity like that like the off the shelf segment robert (laughs) (laughs) of course we're going to get started with our off the shelf segment this is of course the segment where we talk about all the fun things that we've taken off of our shelves and put onto our tables televisions computers etc etc so Without any further ado, Robert, let's get started with some video games. What have you had off the shelf? So over the Christmas uh, season with the Christmas sales, I bought myself the PlayStation 4 edition of City Skylines, which I have been playing a little bit too much. Oh, <laughs> what is City Skylines? This sounds very near a sim uh, game. And if it's near a sim game, I might have to get it. Yeah, it's on PC. I'd recommend it on PC a little bit more, mainly because uh, the PC has modding. And I remember the mods being really cool. I just no longer belong to the Master Race, so I can't play that game anymore. But it's a city-building game by the people who made uh, Cities in Motion and uh, 
uh, I don't remember their other games, but yeah, you, uh, it's a city building game. You put down fire stations and police stations and hospitals and graveyards and all of that stuff and build roads and make man- mass transit. And it's got uh, it follows that model like a lot of games do where every like I think about three times a year they release a free update. And with the free update comes, uh, you know, a paid DLC that's somewhere between I want to say like five and eighteen dollars, depending on the size. And it's only seven dollars and forty nine cents. Where are you seeing that on Steam? Yeah, there you go. But uh, the PlayStation, I got the version on PlayStation that came with the uh, the first round of uh, DLC that they've converted from the PC. So I got like mass transit and the radio stations and snowfall and after dark and all that. It's nice. It's nice. I, I hopefully they'll add the other ones in. But I because some of the, the future ones sound interesting, especially the one where you can build your own parks. I don't know why that sounds so amusing, but it really do. But the mass transit added in like monorails. And so I made a city with monorails in it. And the whole time I'm singing monorail, monorail, monorail. And that that whole song from The Simpsons, which I can't I will not repeat here. I will not utter here because it is the mind worm and it will, you know, infest all your brains and make you think of nothing else. And you need to think about our podcast, people. Yeah, no, it's it's a good game. I had I had a lot of fun playing it, and I've been kind of fooling around with making things look pretty and whatnot. So I yeah, have been having game a great looks time. Right up my alley. I'm just watching the trailer. That's good stuff. Yeah, and it's seventy five percent off right now on Steam <laughs> through the end of the day. Well, there you go. How much is it for like all the DLC? Uh, you can get the City Skylines Collection Bundle, which is eleven DLC packs plus the base game for sixty five eighty one. Normally retails for one fifty one eighty five. This bundle, the sixty five dollar bundle, comes with After Dark, Snowfall, Content Creator Pack, Natural Disasters, Content Creator Pack Two, High Tech, Relaxation Station, Mass Transit, Green Cities, Concerts, Rock City Radio, Content Creator Pack, All That Jazz, Country Road Radio, and Park Life. Okay, so it doesn't come with the latest one. The latest one's Industries, but that's everything prior to it. It's a good game. You should get it, Jonathan. You should get it and play it and make your own cities. And then you could go and download mods. And you know what's fun about mods? It adds in real things because, you know, who cares? Because they can't make real places, but the people on the Internet certainly can. When I was playing it on PC, uh, I had Tim Horton's coffee in my city and McDonald's. Oh, nice. And I had a uh, you you can put down landmarks. And in the uh, the crater made landmarks was Ikea (laughs) because it was so big. (laughs) I, I think the biggest building that can get created normally is like four by four. But like the Ikea was like six by six. It was just giant. And oddly, it functioned as a park because, of course, it did. It was like a business park. That game was fun with mods and mods make you let you do some other things that the the base game does or doesn't do. But you don't get fun stuff like that on PlayStation. So I just got to play the base game and and try to be creative that way. But I'm still having a good time. I've been playing it. uh, I've been playing in like sandbox mode, just kind of remembering how to play the game and work the new features. And then I just started a new city where I'm playing it for really reals. And I just got an achievement for low crime and for being relatively green because the only pollution that I really have right now is just all of the poop that I am just dumping straight into the ocean. There you go. I I finally beat uh, Dragon Quest V at my parents' house during Christmas. And then I bought Dragon Quest VI, and I played it a little bit, but I haven't played it much. And yeah, that's that's been about it. I've, I've, I've been mainly playing City Skylines. And then when I want a short, more action-packed thing, I've been playing Ash on Overwatch. Oh, there you go. That scratches that itch. You know, it's like, oh, I want to go blow stuff up. I will play Ash. Oh, I'm kind of tired of this. It's not a good day for Overwatch because I'm tired or it's just... Yeah, have you ever had that where you're playing like a first-person shooter and you're like, it is not a good day to play a first-person shooter. I'm like yeah, not in the headspace. Every- Every Saturday night and every Friday night on Battlefield. It, it's like MLG Pro Day 
and I just can't compete with the MLG Pro folks because I don't, you know, I have a life <laughs> and a job <laughs> and children and responsibilities. Ah, that makes me miss the days when I had nothing to do but play video games. I get really stupid good at them. You know what, Jonathan? I hate to break, burst your bubble there, buddy, but you're 40 years old. You're never going to be that good ever again. You just don't have the reflexes for it. That's true. That's true. But you know what old Jack Burton says? It's all in the reflexes. You, you remember what your good old friend Jack Burton says? Have you paid your dues? <laughs> it's like I tell my ex-wife. The check is in the mail. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know those quotes. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Let's by the way, by the way, speaking of that movie, sorry, sorry, let's do a little record scratch here. How do you feel about that man, Kurt Russell, doing a Santa Claus movie now that he's old enough to be Santa Claus in a Netflix movie? How does that make you feel? Uh... <laughs> I mean, I watched the movie with the kids. It was more cute than I anticipated. I don't know. I'm just going to pretend he's always just Snake Plissken and call it a day. Snake Plissken is Santa Claus. Escape from the North Pole. <laughs> In the future of 2017, the North Pole has become a maximum security prison. <laughs> yeah, man. Kurt Russell, he's still putting out good movies. Well, yeah, for video games, a lot of the stuff that we've already discussed pretty extensively... Still continuing to play Battlefield Five. still playing Red Dead Redemption. Still having a great time with both. But uh, Strange Brigade is something new. It was on heavy, heavy sale uh, over this past, uh, I think, just the winter sale. And I got it for 50% off with all the DLC. And what it is, basically, is... Um, how should I put this? Four-player co-op, pulpy 1930s monster-punching mayhem. Hmm. And it's very tongue-in-cheek, and it's got a narrator who's constantly kind of just uh, being self-referential, and it's it's genuinely amusing and funny. And I'm having a great time, and it's four-player co-op, which makes it all the better. And you're punching, you know, mummies, you're punching uh, minotaurs, all kinds of fun stuff. What system did you get on? Oddly enough, it was on Stupid Cheap on both Xbox and PC, and I've got different friends on both, so I ended up picking it up for both. You never play with me anymore on the PlayStation. I don't know if it was on a uh, stupid sale on PlayStation. I don't recognize it. It says it's on PlayStation, but I didn't see it. But yeah, I'm sad. We haven't played a game together in forever because I apparently chose the wrong console. But I wanted to play Dragon Quest Eleven so bad. So bad. I knew it was coming back then. I'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. I've got to get something. I'm sure there's something. That's pretty much it for video games for me. What about movies? Uh, I have seen, let's see, a whole lot of nothing. We were supposed to go see Spider-Verse, but that didn't end up happening. So we're going to try to see it before the girl goes back to uh, school. I did get a couple movies in. Uh, so it was the holidays. So that means it's time for my favorite Christmas movies, Die Hard and Die Hard 2 Die Harder. <laughs> I forgot about that subtitle. It's so nothing bad. Nothing makes it feel more like Christmas than John McClane screaming yippee ki all up in my living room. Yeah, you know what? I haven't seen those movies this year. I haven't seen the original Die Hard in forever. I should do that. That's a good flick. Uh, you know what? Honestly, if it weren't for the cars and the hairstyles and the uh, uh, the CRT monitors, that movie holds up extremely well. It has, uh, yeah, there's some goofy tropes I don't think you'd do today, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some goofy tropes, but it's not like when you're watching Monster Squad and you're kind of cringing at some of the dialogue because you're like, yeah, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> it's got nothing like that. Yeah, and, oh, man, Alan Rickman, God, 
Oh, he's so good in that. He's so, so good. I, I can't think of a movie he's not so good in. <laughs> but that one, that was the, that was his first big, like, American film, right? I think it might have been, yeah. I mean, it definitely put him on the radar. He was just fantastic in that. He's so quotable in that movie, too. Mr. Takagi, I could talk about men's fashion and industrialization all day, but I'm afraid work must intrude, and my associate Theo has some questions for you. Sort of fill-in-the-blank questions. Oh my gosh, that was, he, it was not his first movie by, by far, but he did a bunch of British TV basically. So that was, that was his first like, oh, Busted? What's Busted? says it's a TV movie. Yeah, yeah, he did a bunch of British TV, but yeah, that was his first movie movie. And man, he just, he just nailed that. Yeah, he really did. And he's so slimy and quickly down under too. Do you remember that movie? Oh man, he was so great and quickly down under. Yeah. Oh, oh, I miss that man. I, hey, I, uh, I had a Quigley in Battlefield 5 the other day. Do you look like him? Did he have like the hat and the the, the mustache and stuff? No, no. A Quigley is when you um, shoot a guy with a sniper rifle and then take out the guy behind him too. <laughs> Has that become a thing? I've never heard that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's called it, it's it's called getting a Quigley. I deny you totally. Hold on, I'm typing that into Google. Getting a Quigley. Urban Dictionary. Well, son of a bitch, that's the best phrase ever. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> who doesn't want to use an obscure Tom Selleck movie to create a modern definition of, of shot in a video game? <laughs> Urban Dictionary. Quigley, a British army turn slang for one bullet of a sniper rifle to kill two men. And it comes from the 1990 film Quigley Town Under. <laughs> no, it's worse. It's used by the British military, too. That's right, man. One shot, two kills. Getting a Quigley. Oh, it's so good. All right. All right. That makes me feel better. That makes me feel better. Sorry. Sorry. The I'm legit. Rickman, I'm up on the I'm up on It was, the it was weighing down my soul a little bit. I was like, oh, he's so good. All right. Enough about Snape. What else did you watch, sir? Oh. <laughs> also got a chance to sit down and watch Blade, which I haven't seen in a while. The, the original. That movie does not hold up well for one reason and one reason only. Was he Snipes opens his mouth? No, no. The, the, the final fight between uh, what's his face? Deacon. It, it looked barely passable back in the day, and it, that part has not aged well at all. No, but the rest of the movie is, is so good. The rest of the movie is so well put together. That's true. That's very, very true. You know, honestly, like, um, if you've ever watched his special features on Blade, you'll you'll know that their uh, first thought for the bad monster was actually even worse. Yeah, the, the blood tornado. CG. Yeah. And that would have just been a hot mess. So, I mean, they made the right choice, but it still doesn't necessarily work. But the um, the rest of that movie, like the other 90 plus minutes of it, it's just it still holds up so darn well. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree. I need to watch that again, too. That's that's the movie that birthed comic books can exist in the real world. You know, like that was the first one. That was the, the one that said we don't have to make this cheesy and schlocky. We can make this legit. Everybody always chalks that up to X-Men and it bugs me because, you know, Blade beat X-Men out by what, four or five years. Yeah, something like that. To be fair, it. While it is technically a comic book movie, I don't think you would. It's really hard to call that a comic book movie. It's much more of a horror movie that's based off of a comic book. And, you know, I don't know. And it's not really horror, though. It's more action. There's no horror in it. But I will say I will agree with you that it was the first movie that was directly based on a comic book where they they didn't get kind of like 
the difference between like old comic book movies and stuff and the comic book movies now, there's like one really key simple difference. It's that back when people were making comic book movies before that, they almost seemed to be embarrassed that they were doing it. Yeah, you know, that exactly. this was and their source the material. One that took the source material and said, I'll, I'll hey. disagree. I think Donner's Superman, the first one, also was not embarrassed. It was Superman. It seemed to really embrace it. No, but it has a certain schlockiness to it, you know, like a that's true. Pulpiness, I guess you could say. Yeah, but they they did they did open their arms to that. Like they they kind of saw. I, I don't know what directly it was based off of, like any arc or just in general. But they see. I, I will I, the Donner Superman movie. I think was. I think you could trace that line back to that one. Where that's the first one where they. I don't think they they made it serious, but they they sort of embraced what it was, and then everybody didn't after that, and they didn't get and. It's like, why did the Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren fail? I'm like, I don't know. It was because you're. It seemed like you were embarrassed to be making a Punisher film. You didn't put a skull on his chest. I mean, come on. Like every other comic book movie after that, like kind of made it under duress almost, you know. And then Blade, yeah. even Batman to an extent, you know, because like Tim Burton, like very famously said, like I've never read a comic book in my life. And it's like, well, yeah, it kind of showed <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> that was not my line. That was that was Kevin Smith's line. But it, it's it's true. Well, I I think it holds up real real well, all things considered. It's got some great action. It's some really good fight scenes. Yeah, yeah. Over the break, uh, I, I rented something from my library, uh, something I've always wanted to watch uh, ever since I bought Bubblegum Shoe, which is uh, we started watching the first season of Veronica Mars. Uh, have you ever heard of that show? I have. I have. I watched it when I was younger. Really? I I had never seen it. It's got a certain buffiness to it. The only thing I had heard of it was I had a, a manager at the bookstore I worked at, and she told me that it was basically the Chloe TV show. Like, if they took the Chloe character out of Smallville and popped her into her own TV show where she was the main character, that's what Veronica Mars was. That's what I walked in and expecting, and I was not expecting a somewhat gritty noir. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the first episode where she just sort of kind of out of nowhere casually mentions that she got drugged at a party and woke up not a virgin anymore i was like whoa hello (laughs) this is going places i was not expecting it to that that was the thing about that show i I feel like it might have been a little bit ahead of its time because it it never pulled the punches no yeah yeah it, it still hasn't and, and it comes from a much softer time in television yeah yeah and it also comes it, it's kind of funny to watch it now because uh like like you know how tv like has taken a lot of guff for like you know hiring like 30 year olds to play teenagers on tv and uh and i would say this lately uh tv's gotten a little bit better about that where they you know at least try to cast like 18 19 year olds as like 15 year olds you know but like yeah that show like uh, uh, uh what's her name veronica mars uh, the lady who played her she was 24 at the time and I just watched an episode where there's a character who, through the context of the show, is clearly, clearly supposed to be 18. And it's played by, at the time, 26-year-old Jessica Chastain. And I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even, ah, she didn't even look like a teenager back then. She looked like a woman, you know, like a, like a middle, mid-20s woman. And I, that's kind of jarring when they, they keep saying, it's like, hi, I'm 14. I'm like, no, you are not. <laughs> you are nowhere near 14. You could, you're 14 and yet you could drink like four years ago, bro. Like, sure you are, you know? <laughs> but yeah, overall, I, I really dig that show. Uh, we're about six episodes into it now. We keep kind of watching it in spurts. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really digging it. I'm, I, I was, I was also really surprised about the noir thing, you know? Cause it, it is straight up a noir. Yeah. Even though it's like very vibrantly bright and set in Southern California and it has a very Southern California look. Uh, it, it's it's weird like like the whole tone of the show is just kind of weird because like you, you know you expect dark and shadows and all that in the noir and the, i don't know it's i don't know 
Well, if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. It's it's great. No, I, I it's it's a very good show. Did you hear they're rebooting it for on, not rebooting it? They're doing a new season of it randomly on Hulu. Like they're going to just yeah. do eight episodes. Um, <laughs> and and what's his name is coming back, right? Kristen Bell. The whole yeah, the whole cast is like I, I was looking at the IMDb page. The whole cast is coming back after they did that movie. It's it's all the same people. They're just coming back to do another season of eight episodes. Oddly enough, Kristen Bell showed up in the the first season of Deadwood, which I watched just recently again. I did not know she was in that. Does she cuss like a lot? Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, everybody in Deadwood cusses a lot. Well, I knew that, but I I I, I may have no to go watch that there. show. No exception there. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> no, in Deadwood, she's cursing up a storm. Like I'd forgotten how good Deadwood was. It, it's been probably ten years since I've watched it, and man, that show is amazing. Yeah, I should watch that. They probably have that at the library. I should rent that. Oh man, uh, let me tell you the the, the one that uh, that really just kind of. I'd forgotten how good his performance was. Is uh, what's his name? Brad Dorif. Dorf. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he always plays those weird, creepy kind of uh, fringe characters. And in this one, he plays a um, doctor who is a Civil War veteran. There is an episode. Uh, I think it's the last one of the first season where he just kind of he gets his character gets drunk and is exploring what we now know to be PTSD. And wow. Like, what an acting tour de force. And I'm so used to seeing him do kind of some some schlocky evil shtick, you know, because he's usually a villain. Yeah. And in this one, he's just this this genuinely kind and nice guy who really got the bad end of the stick in the Civil War and saw some terrible things, and he's just not right anymore. And it's just, wow. I mean, like, I just didn't realize he had it in him like that. Not 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 like that. It's It's been remarkable to watch. Hmm. And what a cast that show has. That show has a ridiculously talented cast. Maybe after our Veronica Mars binge, we'll do that. Oh, you know, you know what really stopped us from watching it? Like, we quickly realized we cannot watch Veronica Mars when the daughter's awake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're getting a little behind on that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. I'll have to give Deadwood a try, too. Deadwood's amazing. Highly recommended. The other thing I've been watching is I stumped because I've been playing City Skylines again. I started watching some City Skylines videos looking for them, them sweet building tips. And I stumbled upon this web series called Franklin. And it is the weirdest thing I have watched in a while. So what it is, it's this guy. I don't know what he does for a living. Uh, he kind of mentioned he got a degree in engineering at one point. He plays City Skylines and he obviously likes it. Apparently, this whole thing started as a thought experiment about cities are not built from scratch in this day and age. Like, they, they never are. Cities are, you know, are these things that have existed for many, many, many years previous to now. And so his thought experiment is like, oh, well, I'll create a city, uh, like a really old uh, East Coast city. I mean, really old by American standards, like two, three hundred years. And I will do a do a web series kind of talking about the history of cities and sort of slowly update the city to the modern day using city skylines. And uh, it's surprisingly good to watch, you know, because like the first episode he talks about he he builds the map and he starts talking about, you know, like uh, geography, about like floodplains and and all this other stuff. And and he's talking about how city skylines usually puts rivers in trenches and that's not how it is in real life. They're usually, you know, and he's talking about floodplains and why people, you know, build in floodplains and what floodplains are. And then, you know, and then he goes into, you know, the local Native American tribes. And the second episode is when uh, the Dutch move in and, you know, build some trading forts. And and he and he just kind of as he's doing all this stuff, he's just building it in city skylines. He's like, there's a fort here. There's going to be a fort there. And 
you know, and then he, uh, when the city actually gets founded, the guy who made it, it's not Ben Franklin. Uh, it's named after some other guy, but like he has this, he uses this picture of a uh, Danny DeVito. I'm sure from an episode of it's always sunny, uh, as, as the guy who founded Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time they reference them, they just show this still on the, on the thing. And the guy who, who does the series also really obviously doesn't like, uh, uh, Elon Musk. And so there are very like clear shots fired at him several times. Like when they're talking about indentured servitude, uh, you know, he's like, so what usually happens when you, you know, enter into indentured servitude is you typically a rich person. And it shows a picture of Elon Musk. You agree to basically sell yourself for a set period of time so that you can travel. And it shows a picture of a a SpaceX spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to travel to uh, a colony that they are heavily invested in, and it shows a colony on Mars. (laughs) And I I was like, wow. (laughs) I felt the heat on that one. (laughs) Shots fired. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, there's uh, there's nine episodes up at this point, and he's got some other bonus episodes. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, like, it was just hitting me on all my buttons because it, like, you know, I have I, I, I was a history major in, in college, so I like watching historical stuff. So I, I was getting that he's really, really dry. You know, he's got a really dry sense of humor. And I love dry senses of humor like that. That is my favorite. I can't I can't do it for the life of me. Like I'm like Mr. Wacky guy or whatever. And I would love to be able to just do just this dry humor but i don't have it in me so i just like i love watching people do it jonathan i cannot express to you how much i love it and then the third thing is he's playing city skylines which is this game i'm playing right now and so like it's just it's just hitting it's like this is this game i like and i'm learning about history and this guy's really funny and dry and i'm like ah it's great anyway um Jonathan, I know you like having stuff on in the background when you're working. This is actually a really good show for it because, honestly, it's just stills from City Skylines, and it's just him building random crap while he's narrating in City Skylines. So most of the time, you don't really have to pay too much attention to what's going on on screen. So uh, next time you're, you're working and you just need something to be in the background, like give that one a try and tell me what you think. That sounds exciting. I think I'm going to have to. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will say, remind me. I can send you the link again. But, yeah, it's called Franklin. It's on the, the YouTube channel Do Not Eat uh, underscore one i think that's what it's called I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes but yeah i i've been i've been tickled pink by it i and the, the episodes aren't short they're like 20 minutes each and i watched them all over like the last couple of days you know nine episodes it's not it's not a short amount of time you know no yeah, that's quite a bit the train episode was actually really fun because he went into like how trains work pretty deeply and i i i was actually very ignorant like i know what let steam engines look like but he you know he went into very deeply how they work and i actually didn't really know anything about that so i was like ooh, this is just fascinating <laughs> it's a lot of pressure a lot of pressure yeah well i knew that but i didn't know like the interior guts were all these tubes and and yeah he, he was taught he talks about the history of steam trains and and how you how they codify them and and yeah it's a great show just watch it it was good stuff I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you're a history nut, too. It's right up your alley. I am, I am. And you just bought the game, didn't you? I mean, come on. <laughs> not yet, not yet, but it's looking pretty good. <laughs> it is pretty good. You should just buy the game. I'll send you a screenshot of, of my city of Lund- of uh, Lundgrenberg. All right, let's get it over with, because I know you've been chomping at the bit to do this. What am I chomping at the bit to do? Oh, talk about Swords of the Serpentine? No. What? The other movie. What other movie? I don't have another movie. If you don't want to talk about it. What? Oh, 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 I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Jonathan. Put it in the show notes. Well, I put it in for you because I didn't want you to not talk about it. But I'm looking at my show notes right now. So I that's why I forgot. That's why I forgot. So yesterday, dear listener, 
I'm on the Facebooks doing my once or twice a day Facebook check. And Jonathan's lovely wife says that they're going to sit down and watch Terms of Endearment because you had never seen it before. So let's no, talk. No, I Jonathan. had seen it before. That was the thing. Like, I don't know why she put that I'd never seen it before. I have seen oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. Didn't get any better. Okay. So, so what'd you think, Jonathan? Can you imagine shaving your face with a belt sander? Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as accurate a description as what it's like to watch that movie. You know, Jonathan, uh, I thought Flip's portrayal in the movie was, was actually kind of an interesting take. And, and seeing young Jeff Daniels, by the way, I watched the movie too, so we could talk about it in depth. Good Lord, did you really? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, is it just me or, or, or were the characters just all over the place, like inconsistent? Well, it's an Albert Brooks movie. Like, what do you want? <laughs> like, no joke. We, we we could go into this. I have thoughts on it. I, I actually liked Flip. I mean, I, I know he's like air quotes the bad guy. But uh, yeah, like that character was like really interesting to me because like they 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 didn't do the typical cheating husband thing with him. And uh, I kind of I kind of like that portrayal of him. I thought that was interesting. And uh, and Jack, like, why do they cast Jack Nicholson as romantic leads like ever? Because oh apparently God. in the 1980s, everybody thought he was good stuff. Dude, dude, he was cast as that in, like, what, As Good As It Gets? Or what, what was the... Hey, don't forget Helen Witches Hunt? of Eastwick. Oh, God, he was he's so slimy. Right? Like, I get that. I, get, I totally get that, too. Like, I totally get that. Like, he trips He trips my, 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 creeper, uh, my creeper vibe. Right? Right? Like, like aren't you going to respond to I love you? I'm just going to say what I say every, every time. Love you, too, kid. It's like, ugh. Ah. Every time he opened his mouth, I just, I just I had this image of Joker in my head. Right? Yeah, that's that that's that's Jack Nicholson. Do you know who was originally supposed to be that character? By the way, like who they wrote it for? Who the astronaut? G- Garrett, right? Wasn't that his name? Yeah, Garrett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Burt Reynolds was supposed to be that character, and Burt Reynolds would have killed that. No, Burt Reynolds would have totally killed that. That would have been a perfect uh, a perfect role for, for for him at that age. Yeah, yeah, but no, no. They, they, uh, him and Harrison Ford and somebody else passed on that. So we got Jack Nicholson. Man, um, it's that movie is just like the storytelling's disjointed. I, I, I don't understand why my wife likes it so much because, like, it's not like it's a, a happy story. It's basically it's a tale of three really, really, really selfish people. Mm-hmm. In terms of selfishness, that's what I should have called it. <laughs> The thing that I, I was, it actually was really reminding me of Battle Chasers in a really weird way because I like, what? as I was watching it, <laughs> I'm going to connect these dots. Just watch. I'm going to, I just, I just threw them on the ground and you're like, I don't see the pattern here, but I'm going to get to it. Just watch, just watch me connect these dots. Are we here? All right, let's go. As I was watching this film, I really had the sense that this movie was like building like the air quotes chick flick like template one of the main characters gets sick and dies because like it really reminded me of beaches and it really reminded me of some other movie i I kind of vaguely remember watching and and it's like it's just this is that story like this was the proto version of it much like battle chasers was the proto version of the warjack from uh from war machine that was me connecting the dots i don't know if i did it well i don't care but i I, like watching that's like fascinating because i had a hard time hating it for that because it's like that's like hating lord of the rings because it has a wizard with a pointy hat it's like gandalf invented that he gets to own it like terms of endearment kind of invented that trope almost it seems like it at least to me and and i'm sure there's other movies earlier that do the same thing i I just i that's the oldest one i think i've ever watched because it's what circa 83 i want to say oh at least yeah yeah so 
I don't know. I mean, I was watching that movie. I was surprised how fast the time flew as I was watching it because I, I was expecting it to like just kind of hate watch it and kind of like go like, oh, this movie's taking forever. But it, it flowed OK. Like I checked the time once and we had like about an hour left. And I'm like, it hasn't felt like this movie's been on for an hour and 20 minutes already. Huh. OK. I, I didn't feel like the characters had any consistency to them. I, I felt like it was just kind of all over the place in terms of characterization. I, I didn't feel like. I ever got a sense for for what their drive was, and I really don't understand what people saw in this movie to to nominate it for an Oscar and win several. Yeah, like I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I I, I understand filmmaking has changed, the times have changed, acting styles have changed. I, I'm there. I totally understand that. But I can watch a lot of older movies, like uh, uh, say Gone with the Wind, and I understand why people were so head over heels for it. You know, like it makes sense to me. And I watched that movie and I, I just I couldn't figure out what people saw in it. Yeah, and it didn't really scream like eighties to me, even though it was made in the early eighties. Yeah, it is it is a well, weird, the, the majority a, of the movie doesn't take place in the eighties. Just that's just true, it last, takes place in the late seventies. Yeah, the, just the last vignette does. Yeah. It's alright. I, I, I watched it because I, I want to torture you with it, but I, I was not upset that I watched it. Got a little uh, the wife was cutting onions at the end a little bit. I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna Oh yeah, I look over at Jessica and she's got a friggin' waterfall like of tears just streaming down her cheeks. And I'm like, why do you even want to watch this movie? If this, if this is what it does to you, you know, Jonathan, uh, I think Sally Sparrow in the blink episode of Dr. Who said it best. Sad is happy for deep people. Just going to throw that out there. Your pregnant pause is words enough to know that what I've said has sunk in and really is dwelling deeply within your soul. No, You're I just think that that's totally not true, and <laughs> is not good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I watched it too. It was all right. I think I would have rather watched Ishtar. <laughs> Sadly, I think it's the better film. Let me uh, let me let me tell you this. Uh, we have a lot to be thankful for in that movie because, uh, of course, I can't watch a movie without reading all of the the trivia on it on Wikipedia and IMDb. That show is directly responsible for creating The Simpsons. So uh, Albert Albert Brooks, James Brooks, whatever one of the guy one of the producers on The Simpsons currently uh, to this day. He that was his first big directing gig, and so when he finished that movie and completed it and came out, he had a buddy whose name was Matt Groening, and Matt Groening signed a copy of his new book to give him as a congratulations. You you made a movie present. And he was reading that book and he really liked it. And he's like, you know what? I need some like animated skits on this other show I'm working on called the Tracy Ullman show. Do you think you're up for it? And thus the Simpsons was born. The Simpsons was on in it too. Did you see it in the background? It couldn't have been. That was 83. I'm sure it was. Cause I no, remember, there's I no way. The, I remember seeing the TV and the Simpsons was on it. There's no myself, way. That- oh wow. The Simpsons is still on. That's really weird. I hadn't thought about it like that. In that movie. There's no way in hell. I'm sure it was. Hold on. The Tracy Ullman show, because those skits premiered on the Tracy Ullman show, and that movie, or that show is, what, circa... When she's in the hospital, I think. It premiered in 87. There's no way, because The Simpsons was made for the Tracy Ullman show. I don't know. I'm, gonna have to, I, I, I'm not going to rewatch it. I'm just going to let this go. It's not even worth it. <laughs> Although I did do a Google search, and apparently Robot Chicken did something called Terms of Endare Devil. <laughs> and now I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And here's the thing that really drove me nuts the whole time. Hmm. The movie's called Terms of Endearment, right? Nobody uses one. Blame the author? It's based on off of a book of the same name. Nobody uses one. <laughs> Not a single person. No cute nicknames. No nothing. 
well, maybe you didn't get it because you're just not deep enough to understand it like your wife is, sir. I'm just saying. Or they just didn't use it. <laughs> That's our views of uh, Terms of Endearment 1983 from Forgot My Dice to You, people. You're yeah, welcome. Just don't, just don't watch it. Just, just it wasn't don't. that bad. Oh, it wasn't God, that bad. It really was. Siskel gave it four stars. I th- or was it Ebert? One of the two. I, I think that's pushing it, but eh, there's worse ways to spend your afternoon. I could think of many. You could watch The Happening. <laughs> if you watch The Happening, that, that, oh, that. Oh, God. That's, that's when you want to shave a different body part with the belt sander. Yeah. That movie is so bad, I don't even know where to begin. You could watch Deathbed, the bed that he's We, that. no, we should do a, uh, a commentary track for The Happening. <laughs> so I can watch it for the second time in my life, guys. Right. It's the bees. Don't you want to know about what, what, what's going on with the bees? I'm Marky Mark. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna make a hamburger. All right, all right. Before the we bees. Get to, before we get to board games, sir. Before we get to board games, I got one thing I want to do. Uh, I am getting so incredibly excited for this uh, role playing game that Pelgrine is about to start play testing. It's probably play testing right now. If what I'm about to say sounds remotely interesting to you, go to our show notes or just go to Pelgrine Press and sign up for the play test. So, uh, author Kevin Culp who did a time watch. I think I'm not sure what else he's done. He's written a, uh, a, a, a gumshoe game called swords of the serpentine. And what the vibe is of this game is it's fantasy. And you're like, Oh God, do we need another fantasy game? But hold, oh, hear me out. It's taking it's, it's inspiration. It's vibe is, um, Terry Pratchett novels and sword and sandals like Conan mash that together. That is that game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm kind of down. <laughs> that sounds awesome. The the thing that I really liked was they were talking about their design or they had their design document for it posted on the website because they're starting to hype train for it right now. And what they said was, uh, unlike some other games, wealth isn't important. Wealth is transitory, you know, because like in Conan's stories, very frequently he will the story will begin and he will be either on like a, a ridiculously huge pile of gold for no reason or like broke. And there's nothing in between, you know, like Conan could get billions of dollars at the end of some adventure and it will just be gone by the next one because he just spent it on like, you know, booze and entertainment on the lamentations of their women. Right. So basically one of the design goals says like at the beginning of the adventure, you may be rich, you may be poor. If you get a bunch of money at the end of the, of an adventure, it will be gone by next time because wealth is transitory. And even the adventures of themselves, much like the Conan stories won't necessarily take place in chronological order. You know, you'll just sort of come into it and it will be some period of time and it'll just be these weird little individual vignettes. And, uh, yeah, it sounds, it sounds fun. He was posting, uh, his six pre-made characters for the playtest adventure that's in the, the playtest document. And, uh, one of them stuck out. There's like a nobleman and then there's the nobleman's bodyguard who is not at all a sorcerer that manipulates people's memories. It's really that dude's bodyguard and has been this whole time. And I'm like, that sounds kind of amazing. I can't wait. So swords of the serpentine playtest starting soon. I am so in on that. And apparently if I actually play it, uh, I, I was talking actually to the author on Twitter and normally Pelgrane doesn't let you talk about things. Like I can't tell you my experience playing, you know, Knights Black Agent solo ops or uh, Mutant City Blues besides that, you know, I had fun, but I can't talk about them at all. But he wants me. He wants us. He said if, if we want to talk about it, he will give us special dispensation to talk about it. So, yes, good, good. I'm excited. I'm excited. This game sounds interesting. I can't wait. Like I said, Swords of the Serpentine playtest coming soon. 
TM? It hasn't hit yet. He he's ready to go on it, but like nobody's in the office to post it right now <laughs> in Belgrade. So he was like, "It's coming out today, guys!" On like you know New Year's Day, and he's like, "Oh wait, there's nobody actually there to like you know press the button to make that happen." They're all on vacation. Uh, soon. <laughs> all right, Jonathan, let's do this. This is the last one, buddy. Are you feeling it? Uh, hold on, let me go back to my notes. It's just I had my uh, browser open, searching for. Odd, strange trivia about the Terms of Endearment. I like that movie. I don't care what you said. It's okay. I definitely don't question your masculinity in any way, shape, or form because of your love for that movie. You know what? Down with the patriarchy, sir. I can watch chick flicks. It's fine. There's nothing, <laughs> there's wrong, nothing with wrong with watching chick flicks. Just make it a good one. That one sucked. I thought Shirley MacLaine deserved the Oscar for that. That was that was. She had a very interesting performance, and she made she me laugh quite a few times. Performance, and she was quirky. She was an interesting character. My my, my biggest problem is like. Her desires and drives are inconsistent and all over the place and don't make sense at the end. And also, what kind of self-respecting asshole just stands there watching this chick that he's totally in love with, like, constantly, like, be with other people? Like, those two idiots that are just standing around just watching her, like, (laughs) entertain other men. It's like, what what the hell, man? Like, plenty of fish, man. Get get out of there. We can talk about why it's bad to pine... To all the men out there another day. Don't pine, guys. Just don't do it. It's bad. Danny DeVito was really funny, though. Yeah, he was just had the stupidest grin on his face the whole time. Yeah, it felt like he was definitely, like, drunk off limoncello. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we ready to do this? Come on, let's do this. All right, so uh, get the list ready, buddy. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna, I play board games, so we're going to talk about my two first before we get into yours. You played one that I'm totally envious of. I know. I, I It's so rare for me to do this. It's exciting. Uh, so first off, uh, I took all of the Bob Ross games with us to Grandma and Grandpa's for Christmas, like I said I would. We didn't play the painting one. I couldn't talk him into that, but we did play quite a few rounds of Happy Little Accidents, and it went over quite well, quite well with the grandparents and we had a very good time and my dad my dad got into it which i was surprised with i didn't know that ga- that guy was a party game guy but apparently he is he had a great time i forget who won but yeah it was it was it was quite enjoyable yeah, like, everything you're telling me right now is is exactly why i think that might be the most brilliant game of the year <laughs> that's a bold statement um and then as mentioned in a previous episode, of which I totally knew nothing about, uh, uh, the family got me a copy of Camel Up Second Edition, and it was fun. And I don't want to talk about it too much because I think we might be deep diving that one, Jonathan. I would totally be down. You know, I love me some Camel Up. Well, if you end up having to skip an episode for maternity leave, I might bank that one for our very special episode without Jonathan and me and the wife. Either that or I don't know what we'll do. That's the only game I've played that you haven't. So but we'll see. We'll see, Jonathan. You may not even be out for paternity leave. We'll find out. We'll find out. I'm going to bake that one. We'll find out in a month regardless. Oh, my God. It's a month until your daughter is going to be born. Trust me. I know. It's like oh. it's crazy. What's it's the due crazy. date? February 28th is the official due date. That means basically February. Yeah, that's nuts. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm at the point now where I can legitimately say, yeah, she'll be here next month. Get, get finished with that hypnobirthing. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my lord, sir. I don't know how to put this. Newborns are the suck. I. I pity you. I. I, I had good experiences with mine. I. I. I generally liked my children too, but newborns are really hard. Like, and maybe it's because my last experience was with two of them at the same time. Well, and, and I. I think you're tainted in that respect. I do. <laughs> I do believe that you are highly tainted at this point. 
Oh man, I just I I really like my sleep. See, you're 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 much better at functioning without sleep than I am. So that's uh, probably the difference. Yeah, I'd basically do it six days a week. Enough of this baby talk. This is a gaming. All right, sir. Let's do this. Final round. Tell me about your board game, sir. You got the list ready, buddy? I got the list ready. I made one. I made one last dying grasp at it. First of all, Dualosaur Island. So I got my Kickstarter, of course, for Dinosaur Island. And mm-hmm. um, Dualosaur Island, I, I went in on along with the the base Kickstarter pledge. And I've got to tell you, I love what they did with it. I'm, I'm infatuated with what they did with it. They boiled it down to its core essences in really neat and clever ways. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really impressed. It, it's a fun, much faster game, but it still feels like you're playing Dinosaur Island. It's great. Nice. I, I think I'm going to save some talk there. I, I feel like maybe that's a deep dive, to be honest with you. Hmm. Cool. All right. Finally had a chance to play Simurg. Kind of okay. a, a Euro worker placement uh, with dragons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't know. Just just worker placement with dragons. It's funny. Oddly enough, like I I, I was googling the game at one point to see if there was a, a, a easy quick video for learning it because it's got some crunch to it. And apparently, Simurg is actually a mysterious giant healing bird in Iranian mythology. <laughs> nice. Okay. This game has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Well, cool. So go Wikipedia Smurg and uh, learn all about it. Basically, it's a big fantasy setting. It's a a world where humans and dragons live, hunt, and go to war together. And you're the the head of a a powerful family, and you're trying to breed dragons. Um, And in that respect, it's a lot of uh, basically action economy and worker placement. And um, there's quite a few different actions that you can take it's uh it's it's got a fair amount of complexity to it it i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit actually and some really nice art some absolutely gorgeous art nice played some tiny epic quest which i'm now convinced is zelda 8-bit the board game (laughs) and and i think with that uh descriptor that tells you exactly what you need to know about the game it's it's super fun in that respect nice yeah it's like it's like playing a overhead dungeon game it's super super cool i really enjoyed it uh, more than more than I enjoyed uh, Tiny Epic Zombies. Okay. And I enjoyed Tiny Epic Zombies. I uh, finally had a chance to sit down and play some Star Wars Legion. Sat down uh, with... Uh, I played as the Empire. Had a good time. Uh, played uh, with uh, General Veers as my leader. It was cool. Had some speeder bikes out on the board. Those things are... Once you get the hang of them, you can do some interesting hit-and-run tactics with them. Cool, cool, cool. Played more Keyforge. Lots of Keyforge. Mm-hmm. That game continues to be a surprise. I did not realize that I was going to like it quite this much. Yeah, I, I went looking for a two-player starter. That's yeah, going to be tough to find. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird, because uh, Camelot Second Edition is kind of in the same boat. It's not in print currently. They, they, they sold through it really fast. So I was hoping like uh, some of the local stores might still be holding on to a couple copies of Keyforge. But no, no, it's gone everywhere. If you can find a booster deck, that's all you need. Just two booster decks. You, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the starter deck is or pardon me the starter pack is nice to have because it has um two balanced decks for learning and then it has two random decks and it has all the tokens but you can use anything you can use dice i i I have a bag of dice in my backpack and when i when i was traveling with with my buddies we would sit down and just use dice to track all the stats played more photosynthesis which i know we talked about in the last episode and i'm continuing to be impressed by that game and actually the kids picked that up really quick yeah, it's it's it sounded kind of interesting. And, and I know these two games are not remotely the same in terms of mechanics, but I think from a level of complexity and level of charm, since you liked Vikings on board so much, mm-hmm. I think you'll like photosynthesis quite a bit. 
It's so pretty when it's set up. I sent you a picture, right? No, you never sent me a picture. Hold on, I'm gonna send you a picture right now. What are we talking? You're gonna send me a picture right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Send me a picture. Did I not send it to you? I thought I had no. no. Maybe you did, and it just it got lost in the shuffle. Look how pleasant that looks. Oh, how cute! Right with the little three three D trees. Yeah, that's super spiffy. Had a chance to play Century Sand to see. It's basically takes the mechanics from each of the games and puts them together into one narrative uh, per turn. It lengthens out the game considerably. I I'm not 100 percent sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet, but I did have fun with it and I still continue to like the Century stuff. And the way I look at it is, it's a bonus game that's in the box with with these two other games that you already have. Yeah, so yeah. there's really no downside there. It's super cool. I can't wait to see how the third one clips in. I'm really excited about this coming year because we'll finally get the third one in the trilogy. And then I played, uh, I think I talked about this when I went to BGGCon, Memoir. Yep, Memoir. you did. Memoir. Yes, you did. I had a great time with it. Taught it to the kids. Uh, they hopped onto it right away. It's funny because it's memory, but as you get invested in it, because the board never changes from round to round, people start to get really competitive about it, and it's uh, it becomes a bit of a mind game. I really like that game. Sounds interesting. And then finally, uh, Lincoln for, uh, I think, either stocking stuffer or his birthday i can't remember which because they're only six days apart he got monopoly for the nintendo switch (laughs) so we sat down and played monopoly and um yeah playing monopoly with a six-year-old is a chaos absolute chaos (laughs) i don't doubt it there's there's no financial strategy whatsoever it's basically buy everything until i'm broke and then hope i don't have to flip them upside down (laughs) nice Nice. So there you go. Those are my board games. Did you get any any board games for Christmas or anything you haven't played? No, oddly enough, I did not. I think I got zero board games for Christmas, and I'm kind of okay with that. But I did get a Death Star Waffle Maker. <laughs> we have one of those. That's awesome. There you go. There you go. Uh, I also got chopsticks that light up like lightsabers. I've seen those too. That's funny. There, yeah, that, that's uh, two of my two of my stockings. St- well, I guess the Waffle Maker really wasn't stocking stuffer. All right. But I, right. I did manage to make uh, uh, waffles this weekend with real maple syrup that one of my Canadian buddies brought to me when I met him at uh, when I met him at Origins. Oh, nice! Or Gen Con? Maybe it was you want to? Oh my God! You want to? It's good. Oh, oh, bit of an aside here, listeners, but like, bear with me. They have maple syrup at Costco that is aged in bourbon barrels. Ooh. Keep talking. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> hey. So uh, it's got this really weird, like, smoky flavor to it, which if you have it by yourself, it's like, why would I want maple syrup with a smoky flavor? Because it, it's kind of foul if you have it. But you put that on a pancake. Oh, so good, Jonathan. Oh. All right. All right. All right. I'm just saying. Sorry. How was the Canadian maple syrup? Um, amazing. This was actual true maple syrup from a tree. No sugar added or anything like that. It was succulent i guess you could say it was it was absolutely amazing i envy you i've never had actual factual real maple syrup i don't think um you need to make that a priority okay we'll do a life priority tell you what tell you what i I will get on that if you get on getting this bourbon syrup and telling me if i'm like crazy or if it's actually as good as i think it is no i'm thinking just based on my experience with bourbon casks that yes that does sound about as amazing as it gets especially (laughs) if we start dropping some bacon in that sucker oh Uh there we go Uh 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 
Well, all right, that brings us to the end of Off the Shelf, which, of course, means it's time for our lightning round of Year in the Life. And why are we doing a lightning round, Robert? Uh, mainly because I realized that uh, we got to episode 32 by the end of last year. And, uh, yeah, we are we, <laughs> we are four episodes behind. Apparently, we made four less episodes this year. We're bad, Jonathan. We're bad, bad Well, we people. had a little bit of time there where we weren't doing anything because of your... Uh, My your two move moves? Yeah. Yeah, my two moves. I moved twice. So, that's true. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we have 365 seconds to talk about all of these, which means we roughly have 90 seconds each to talk about every single one of these. Let's go. First up, Forgot My Dice, episode 29, Count of Monte Cristo moment. We played Blood Bowl. Jonathan, tell me about Blood Bowl. Uh, Blood Bowl is awesome. Uh, it's definitely old school. It feels like an old school dice checker. If you like uh, rolling dice and you like games where people can die, uh, then Blood Bowl is the game for you. It's it's a, such a great take on American football meets some soccer rules uh, with a tactical war game. So have you played it again with the orcs that I left with you? Uh, I have. I have. I taught it to Carlos and he's been enjoying Blood Bowl as well. And we are also um, very interested in Blitz Bowl, which just came out, which is kind of like a, a lighter, quicker, more streamlined version of Blood Bowl. Yeah, I saw that at my uh, local someplace. Oh, it was at Barnes & Noble, actually. I went there looking for stuff, and they had that. And I was wondering what the difference is. It seemed like there were less figures. Uh, well, you use the same, you use the same expansions. Hmm. It's the same hmm. teams. It's just a different rule set, and it's a lot quicker, and it uses fewer models on the board. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, there's just there's less a lot stuff. less um, there's a lot less modifier rules. Okay, because okay. you know, Blood Bowl, Blood Bowl's a lot of dice checking. Yeah, it is a lot of dice checking. That's true. It could use a, it could. Use, oh, maybe I'll have to go get that. Maybe I'll have to go get that. And time forgot my dice. Episode thirty. Taste the woody flavors. We played Bob Ross and the Art of Chill. Art of Chill is still phenomenal. I play it on a regular basis. I also still play it on a regular basis. It hasn't come out in like the last quarter, I don't think. But yeah, we've played it since we moved here for sure to the house, not just not just Portland. No, so it, it, it's fun. It's light. It's approachable. And it's something that I can bring out with non-gamers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm always really surprised when I play that game because it seems really like it's just kind of basically a matching game or like a set collection game. But yeah. it's got the, the, your, your superficial first glance is that it's not going to be anything meaty at all. And yet there's there's some good meat there. There is some good meat. There's a lot of there's a lot of good ways to think in that game. You know, like you can I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at. It's just it's it's surprisingly deep. That's I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's surprisingly deep. I'm always very pleasantly surprised when I play it. How how far down the rabbit hole you can go with planning out your turns and, and trying to do stuff and people screwing you up and whatnot. It's good times. It's good times. Got anything else to say about that, Jonathan? Uh, no. No, I don't think no. so. All right. Forgot my dice. Episode 31. Skitten rolls off the tongue better. We did the best of 2017. That was our deep dive, which I guess I don't even remember what we talked about in that. So I don't think there's much to say about it. Although Skitten was me playing uh, Magic Unhinged or whatever the latest unset was. And I made a uh, kitten Skitten. What was the Skitten part of the kitten? It was a kitten something. I don't remember anymore. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. Snake Kitten. I don't know. It was still fun. I had a good time during that. We will see if we're going to do a best of 2018. We, we, we have talked about it. I don't know if we're going to do it or not. I think it really depends on if there's news next week. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I've gotten is uh, D&D is making uh, some four kids books about D&D monsters and D&D stuff 
for kids. And, and that's the only news I've had for the last month. <laughs> and now I just got rid of it. I, what, what the heck? So I think we can move on to the, the final piece of the puzzle. Forgot my dice episode 32. You're a manimal. Uh, we did our, pre- <laughs> our predictions episode of 2018, which I guess we could end it here because that is what the future is all about. After Come we back. return from a very quick break. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. The lightning round. We love getting feedback. So please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following. You can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash fmdpodcast. We also have Facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com. You can also message us or tweet us on Twitter. Find us at forgotmydice. You can join us on Patreon where we post outtakes and other bonus content. And if you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Store. Lastly, for those of you who want control to sanction the podcast, pick up your shoe phone and call Agent 82. Chief, it's acceptable to get podcasts on our wristwatches. It won't be distracting. I, I just don't even know what's happening right now. Well, it's classified, Jonathan. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, we've got to get these things upgraded from the 1960s. Welcome back to the break. It is now time for our annual tradition, our third predictions episode. So we have made up some arbitrary rules, which we may change between now and then. We will keep you posted. We will see. We'll see how this rule set works with us. All right. So rule number one, it must be something that we can measure in a way. Which we promptly broke last year, but whatever. <laughs> I think I relied on you for one of them to measure it. Like you are my measuring device. Jonathan is my measuring cup, I guess. I don't know. And that cup runneth over, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we bent that rule like almost immediately after saying it last year, which is hilarious. But whatever. I don't care. It's our game. We'll do it. We'll play it how we want. That's right. We'll do what the heck we want. <laughs> uh, this one I like. Each correct answer is worth five points, but we can decide four, three, two, one, whatever our whims are. And that's based off of our first one where we started giving each other quarter points and it was really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, they are. It is now five points, but we can give ourselves less if we deserve partial credit. And we, we have such gradation in partial credit here. And it's not, you can't even quarters. It's like in, in 20, in 20% which is even more irritating i guess but whatever i don't care i like this it's fascinating and and i'm gonna i uh, when we do our when we score our predictions uh in the next segment jonathan i want to hold ourselves to that there's no half points no half points yeah we're either 60 percent correct or 40 percent correct okay all right like, there's no there's no halfway there's no there's no 3.5 or whatever so or 2.5 whatever next rule the other person can attempt to steal with a counter prediction which we do all the time yeah, that's that's where things really generally spiral out of control. <laughs> that's the best part, as we try and desperately one-up each other. <laughs> All right, so this is a new rule, and we'll see how this works out for us. You can attempt a bonus point, a sixth point, for a super specific prediction, which is only super sp- specific if the other person agrees to it. But if you fail, you lose everything. All right. And then finally... You cannot have any insider knowledge in any way, shape, or form of the topic of the question. Yep, yep, yep. All right. With that, it's time, my friend. It's time. Robert, give me your number one. So my first prediction, Star Wars 9 will fail to stick the landing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's two reasons I'm saying this. Number one, 
Hollywood right now has a really bad problem of completely fudging up the third act. Like they have a really good first act and a really good middle. And then they come to the ending and everything just kind of falls apart. And you're like, what? Like, like the, the, the only example that comes to my mind right now for some reason is uh, RoboCop, the new, the RoboCop reboot. I was actually really digging it. And I was like, why do people hate this movie? And then like the end happened. I'm like, oh, that would be why. <laughs> so, so you're saying that it's not going to stick the landing from a, um, from a story perspective, the story perspective—it's the third act, now, and how are you going to quantify that? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I believe you and I will just have a sense of it if it does or does not stick the landing. But that's that's my thought. It just won't stick the landing. And here's the other reason I'm saying that: I am horrifically wrong on all these predictions. So I hope by me saying it out loud, destiny will try to give me the middle finger and make it stick the landing. So I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. So I guess I'm going to knock on wood that I'm right, wrong. I don't know, whatever. But yes, I'm, I'm, usually, I, I, I'm terrible at this game, so I, I, I want to continue to be terrible. I'm going to use my terribleness for everybody. I am going to disagree with you. Well, of course you are. How did this work last year when we disagree? Don't we get bonus points? No, no, no. You get a bonus point if you disagree. And if you want to get super specific, you can say, I'm going to disagree with you, and you can give a Metacritic score that you think it'll be, and it'll have to be pretty high for me to agree. But see, I, I have Star Wars Episode Nine prediction as well, so I can't give you a Metacritic score because I have it in there. Oh, uh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, actually, no, go. I don't. I don't. I don't. So I, I, I will say that it will score a Metacritic of over 90%. Okay. So that you're going to go for the full, the full, okay, over 90 over 90, I will give you the six point for that if, if you if you are correct. I will let that happen. All right. I hope it does. Don't get me wrong. I hope it does. I'm terrible at this game. I want to be terrible in this regard. All right. Should I give you my Star Wars episode or episode nine prediction? Give me one second. Hello, future Robert. How you doing, buddy? You're listening to this episode in late in 2019 to do our next predictions episode. I hope you're doing well, sir. Hats off to you. A tip of the hat. And last year, Jonathan, you know what you, t- you said to me when I said that exact same thing? You said, shut up, stupid, or something like that. And I said, why did you call me stupid? And you said, you'll laugh when it happens. And I want to let you know, I did indeed laugh when that happened. I so thank you, you buddy. See? Do, do I, I feel like I get a point for that. That was a prediction. No, we're not doing points right now. Doesn't count. Jonathan, do you have anything insulting to say to me that'll make me laugh, Jonathan? Or should we move on to your next prediction? No, I, t- today I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Buddy. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. And good future, Robert. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, what's your first prediction? My first prediction is that Star Wars Episode Nine will be a safe, well-reviewed return to known formulas and will beat Last Jedi financially. Intriguing. <laughs> Everyone will like it, but everybody will say, well, at least people picking it apart will say it was very safe. Hmm. Because a- a- episode eight was distinctly a- not a safe film. Agreed. So episode nine will be safe. Very safe. You know, I'm going to give you my hopes and dreams for what I hope this movie. My, my counter prediction is he'll take a stab at something and I don't know if it'll work or not. He will be forced to be creative and thus he will. And it will not be like a safe film. JJ will actually do something JJ ish and interesting. And we will be saying, wow, JJ, JJ did something kind of cool there. That's my counter prediction. Right. Not safe. All not right. safe. All right, number two, Robert. This 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 one this one's just based off of something in our last episode. I predict that Shazam of all of the DCEU movies will be a pleasant surprise. Oh my god, it looks so bad from the trailer. I know, I know, but and I know it's just a trailer. I know it's just a trailer. Here's the thing: all of this hinges on because I've seen uh, Young Justice did a pretty good Billy, and uh, so did. 
uh, what was the other one that did a pretty good Billy? I can't even remember now. Young Justice definitely did a pretty good Billy. It all really hinges on the writing because one thing that screenwriters have a terrible sense of is how teenagers actually talk. I think if it's going for what I'm, I think it's going to be going for, it's going to be kind of DCEUs. I don't want to say it's their answer to Deadpool because it's not going to be nearly as raunchy, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a parody. And I think if you have a teenager who is well-versed in pop culture becoming a superhero and they write it right, it has the potential to be kind of a superhero satire, which could be interesting. And that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Like you're going to watch it and it may not be like, I'm not going to say it's going to be great. I, I, yeah, I don't think it'll be great. I don't think it'll be blowing people's ears off and going like, oh my God, that was the most amazing movie ever. I'm just thinking people watch that and go like, that was actually okay. You know, that was, that was, that was a fun movie. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. I, I want to like it. That's why I'm not saying it's going to be great. I'm saying it's going to be a pleasant surprise. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Pleasant surprise is Metacritic of 70% or higher. I'll go with that. 70-ish. You're only 70, huh? Is that, is that high? I'm not, I'm not up on my Metacritic. <sighs> What's better than average, like above, like I'm thinking of it like grades, like 50%, you know? Like I'm thinking it'll be like 60, you know? Like people will be like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, 60, 60, 70% somewhere in there. Yeah, I guess so. Now, are you talking about audience score? Or are you talking about like the Metacritic Metacritic? Because uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there can be a very big gulf between those sometimes. There, there can be. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say the critics. I'm going to say the critics. Now, now you're really out there. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say over 60 for the critics. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Is that, is that above average, but not like stupendous? I'd say that's generally favorable reviews. Okay, I'll go with that. Do you have a counter, sir? No, no. I, I'm going to let you burn on this one. <laughs> oh, <you're> just, <laughs> here's that rope hang on it, sir. Yeah, I like yeah, it. yeah. Uh, this is the question I think I'll bring some marshmallows to. <laughs> All right. Jonathan, what's your number two? All right, my number two is another movie prediction as well. I am going out on a big limb here. I think Disney will announce something with the Indiana Jones franchise during 2019 disney huh well they own it now true that's true it is a lucas film we, we will get something indiana jones in, uh, announced in 2019 i don't know what that's gonna look like could be a movie could be a tv show but we're gonna get something okay do you want to go for your six point and get specific this is the one where i'm a little gray on you know like i i feel like i'm playing it safe with it mm-hmm. but not too safe because that's it is re- reasonably specific now, if I go for the bonus point, do I do I lose my ability to get the other points if I don't get it? I can't remember. Yeah, if you get if you go for the bonus point, you're you're going for gold. But you you if you no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the safe one on this one. Okay. You had a counter prediction. Counter prediction. Indiana Jones. So there's been rumblings. There's been rumblings of stuff. So you might be right. I just I, yeah, I don't know about the rumblings. I don't follow the film industry that closely. It just feels like it's time. It feels like it's overdue. And and I, I feel like. If I'm looking at the receipts of Solo and I'm ahead of Lucasfilm, I'm going to look to another Lucasfilm product to help intersperse the the Star Wars releases. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, honestly, I think I think you're right on that one. To be quite oh, honest okay, with so you, okay, so you go with the, with the agree. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, here's the thing i I don't think I don't think we'll get like a teaser trailer or anything. No, no, no. I'm just saying that they're going to announce it. I, I think what they're I think what they're planning to do because they think that Star Wars has franchise fr- fatigue. What they're probably going to do for the in two years for the next you know Star Wars film slot or whatever, 
they're they're going to stick Indian there instead, and then do Rain Johnson's next trilogy after that to give Star Wars a little room to breathe. I think yeah. that's going to be their plan. So I think I think you're right. All right, all right. Well, I I appreciate your vote of confidence. Yeah. So so do we both get points if if you're right? I think so. I think so. Okay. But do you okay. only get the one? No, no, I get full points. Oh, okay. You, you, get, right. well, you can get full points for, for the steal. So we'll, we'll, we'll tie, basically. We'll both get those points. My final prediction? Is that what we're on? Yeah. I, I, I was looking over my old predictions because I, I, I have this weird theory that I'm like, right, you know, because I'm like obviously really smart or something. But I, I'm just like too, I'm like too far in the future. Like I, I'm, I'm like light years ahead of I've everybody. I've always said I feel like you're a year or two ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get super specific on this one. Oh, geez. So going back to an oldie but a goodie. We're due for the next RPG air quotes thing, right? Do you remember me making this prediction that yes, last year, like to D and D to White Wolf, you know, something would hit in that regard. I, I think I'm wrong on this, so let let me let me, or I think I'm wrong about this. It will not be a new game. This is what I think. I think this year, uh, a streaming game like uh, like Critical Role, Critical Role is D and D, like another gaming stream will catch on, and because of that, that non D and D game that has a stream will have a large surge in sales and system adaption. And we will hear about it at like Gen Con or PAX Unplugged, where all of a sudden like this game is selling really well. But it will not be a new game. It will be something that exists right now. And then the gaming stream pushes it over the edge. And all of a sudden this game that's like... Uh, so, so you're saying that the this up and coming gaming stream is going to take a known property and make it hot again. Yes, or, or make it super hot for the first time. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to ask you to quantify this a bit more. Are we talking about FLGS hot, Gen Con hot, or Target hot? Target hot, I think, is a stretch. I will definitely say FLGS and Gen Con hot. Like, I, and actually, that's what I have here. The way we will know about this is we will hear about unexpectedly large sales of this at Gen, both, Gen, both Gen Con and PAX Unplugged. And I'm not saying this the stream will beat Critical Role or beat D&D. I'm just saying this will be the very obvious to both you and me and anybody you ask, like, second place finish. Like, this gaming stream is big. Okay. All right. Not D&D big. Not like that, that you know. We're I know what you about mean. Second. You, you, yeah. you mean bigger than, uh, like, bigger than Critical Role and bigger than uh, um, uh, the Will Wheaton one? It's not going to beat Critical Role. Like Critical Role, I think is like number one right now. I'm talking about this will be second place, but it'll be very obviously second place to to anybody involved. So so it'll 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 unseat uh, the, the Will Wheaton show tabletop. No, because he doesn't do an RPG right now. That's true. That's true. I'm, I'm talking like this will be a definite RPG stream. It will not be D and D, and it will definitely be second place, and it will lead to a surge in sales of this game that is not D and D. And and making it like the second place RPG finisher, but will it be? It'll be a game that currently exists. So it'll be this game that. I won't want to say float has flown under the radar because it could be like Shadowrun or something, you know, something that's big enough on its own. But I'm saying this like another gaming stream will hit it pretty big, be the second place finisher, and it will drag up a game to unexpectedly huge sales. And we'll hear about this by Gen Con or PAX Unplugged or, or actually both. I'm going to get super specific. I'm going for the gold here. Both. It'll be big at Gen Con and it will be big at PAX Unplugged. Okay. Counters? Anything? <sighs> I'm going to disagree. I don't think we're there yet. I think you. I think as 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 per your your usual game, I think you're a couple of years ahead. Okay. I don't know, man. This gaming streaming thing has been around for a while now, so. Yeah, but I don't think it's. I don't think. I don't think it's hit critical mass yet. I think we got another year or two. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. All right, John. Then what's your final prediction? 
All right. My final prediction is that we are going to see more of the unique style games, kind of like uh, Discover Lands Unknown uh, or Keyforge, where every copy is a little bit different, mm-hmm. but it's going to be from somebody other than than FFG. Okay. Okay. I I I think you're dead wrong. Ooh. Wow. Dead wrong. I think you're dead wrong. Yeah. I I, I I'm not saying we won't see another game from Fantasy Flight. Well, they've obviously got it, the technology figured out now. Right. So yeah, it seems it seems obvious that they're going to bring some. Well, <laughs> technology figured out. I've been reading some of the random deck names that come up, and they're pretty funny and inappropriate. Yeah, but of all the things, come on. That's the easy thing to fix. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, I, 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 here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think to pull that off, you need to be a relatively large game publisher that isn't afraid to experiment. And like Fantasy Flight is the only one that I see doing that, except for maybe Wizards. They might have the resources, but I don't think they have the drive. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, they're always looking to stoke that magic fire. I wouldn't be surprised to see like a magic, uh, a magic unique game come out. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't think we're there yet. I. All right. Well, we we, we shall see. I, I, how about this? I think the, these fully random games are kind of like legacy games. And Risk Legacy was out for several years before the whole concept caught on to in other properties. Yeah, but once Pandemic Legacy came out, there was like it was a firecracker. There was another six or seven legacy games. I don't know. I don't. I don't think we're quite there yet. I think. I think Fantasy Flight is still working out the kinks of it, and right. it, and I think their next release, personally, will will probably nail it really well. But so you're going with the disagree. All right, we shall see. 2020, we'll 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 know the truth. Hi, future us. And we'll be living in the future. And we will be right back where we look at last year's predictions and see which one of us wins the coveted future trophy of Forgot My Dice. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back, and now it's time to look back at last year and see how our predictions from 2018 worked out. Did we even score a single point? Robert, that's really what I'm curious about. <laughs> As I mentioned last episode, I, I'd done some legwork on this already, and yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, well, let's start with prediction number one. Robert, you said that superhero movies will take a tumble in 2018, and how did you quantify that? Uh, I said kind of offhandedly we would take the average movie or we would take the average of all the movies released in 2017, compare them to the same averages in 2018 and uh, and see how it fared. And my guess was the number would be lower. And uh, yeah, could I have been more wrong? I I don't know. So I I plugged it all into a spreadsheet because that's just how I roll. And in one sense, in one way, I was actually correct. However, I think that is only purely based on a technicality, and I don't even buy it myself. And if you take the worldwide totals into account, even with the technicality, I, I still lost. What, so What was this technicality? That De- Once Upon a Deadpool is a separate movie from Deadpool 2. Mm. Because Once Upon a Deadpool made about $6 million in the U.S. and $7 million worldwide, which is a really low number, and it really throws off the average compared to everything else. And so in U.S. domestic totals, if you add in Once Upon a Deadpool, last year in 2017, 
the average movie made $271 million. And this year in 2018, or this past year, whatever, in 2018, uh, oh, no, it's the median. It's not even both. Yeah, so I, I couldn't have been more wrong. I only get, like, I scrape by on a technicality with one in one data set of four. <laughs> Which is to say, I could not have been more wrong. Like, here's the thing. I knew Infinity War was going to be big. Like, I, we both knew it. Like, we both said it out loud in that episode. I'd, well, yeah, I, I even used that. I said Infinity War is going to skew it and make it a peak year. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, again, Once Upon a Deadpool pulled it back because it made just a, a tiny fractional amount of money. But then again, it was, that's all it was supposed to do. I mean, it was kind of its own thing. Well, it, it made money in its own right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, six, seven million dollars isn't, isn't a lot. Here's the thing. Wait, what, what is Once Upon a Deadpool? It, the PG-13 cut of Deadpool that they released for two weeks right before Christmas. Oh, I forgot that they did that. Yeah, with Fred Savage. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that doesn't count. Well, like I said, even if it does count, 75% of the data says I'm still wrong. So I, I'll let it stand. <laughs> um, so here's the trick. It's not that Infinity War skewed the numbers. Uh, any, uh, In fact, if it was just Infinity War, I would have been fine. The main problem was there were zero movies in 2017 that crossed a billion dollars worldwide. And there were three in 2018 that did. That seems to indicate peak year, which means I'm picking up some bonus points. Uh, so, yes, it's basically uh, – I, I didn't do this over time, um, but I'd be willing to, to give you this. Basically, uh, Infinity War made $2 billion, and then Black Panther and uh, <laughs> inf- and uh, Incredibles 2 made over a billion dollars each worldwide. So Yeah, I, I, believe, uh, I believe in the industry that's what we call a power dunk. And don't get me wrong. Like, 2017 was a very steady year for movies. It, they appeared to all make about $800 million, give or take, with a few outliers. But yeah, and 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 again, 2018 that that average is a lot lower. Except there's just that well, kind of trio it, of movies like really pulling up top. <laughs> well, and here's and here's the thing: Aquaman just came out, and that's only going to skew the numbers high because it's trending really well. Yeah, yeah. No, I got the most up to date uh, stuff I could, and and even then, it's like it's got a respectable figure. It's at 751 million dollars worldwide currently. Yeah, but it's only been out like a week. Right. But but again, it was only 2018. So I can only do what data we have up until now. I can't like look into the future. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Aquaman being the fourth billion dollar 18 movie. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have been more wrong. And then, like I said, uh, once Spider-Verse and Aquaman finish their runs, I think that'll skew it higher. So I, I could not have been more wrong. All right. So so the score is what? Five to zero? Do I get five? I can't remember how our counters work. Uh, our counters are, are the same. So uh, y- your counter very specifically was, this will be the peak year, and we'll do uh, as well, if not better, and Infinity War will skew it. And I think you were right on all accounts. Like I said, power dunk. Opening with the power dunk. Now, you you did not go super, super specific, because that was just anti my prediction. My prediction was, this will be a soft year, and you said this will be a strong, if not the strongest year. I don't know. Oh, 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 hold on. Let, let me look at my math. Let me look at my math. So the total this year was a measly $7.8 billion. Oh, is that all? Uh, last year was 5.1. Wow, that's a big jump, man. That is peak. I, I, I don't that's know if it's... I didn't jump. I, I didn't check. I feel like I nailed the counter. I really do. I, I, I'm not saying you don't deserve five. I totally believe you deserve five. I'm, I'm hesitant to give you the sixth. I, I, I didn't do the math for that, and I don't really want to. If you want I'll to... I'll take my five. I'll take my five. You'll take your five? Okay. I'm happy with my five. You'll, you're happy with five? We'll tell you what, if you lose by one, we can, uh, and, and you want to go do the math, or if, you, if you're, if we're going to tie for some reason, and, and yeah, 
you can go back and, and do the math and get your one point. And well, you, I think you're going to get your points back on my first prediction. <clears throat> All right, Jonathan, your first prediction. Jonathan will have whittled his shelf of opportunity pile to zero by the end of the year. How'd that go, Jonathan? Man, I gave it a good shot. You did. But I feel like my original shelf of opportunity was whittled down. Yes, but you said to zero. You were very specific. I was overly specific and ambitious, I might add. My counter was, no, you won't, and you will still have at least 15 games on your shelf as a bonus. And this is where I think I messed up. Because looking at it, you have Champions of Midgard, Emergence, Euphoria, Fallout, Fire and Axe, Ghostbusters 2, Leaders of Euphoria, Lobotomy, Monster Apocalypse, Soul, Twilight, Imperium 4th, Wolfed, and Zia, Zai? Zaya. Zaya. One. That's two, 13, buddy. Five, six, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yes. I think we are both losers. I was hoping to get points here. Yeah, you went, you went, you went a little too specific there. You should have stuck with no, you won't, because then you would have points. Yeah, well, you did a late game, man. I, I was up by 18 at the end, and I was hoping you'd get some games for Christmas. That would, that would mess all this up. No. Oh, man, it was great. Nobody got me anything. <laughs> Never been so excited. <laughs> all right. Well, that was, that was my best hope for points, and it is dashed on the rocks of despair. <sighs> all right, Robert, on to round two. You said... That RPGs were about due for the new big thing. Now, this wasn't going to be D&D. Yep. But White Wolf in the 90s big. It was going to stamp the RPG collective mind. This is the year that the game will come to the front of the pack. Something else that every RPG player has an opinion about. Mm -hmm. I said nope. Yes, you said nope. Quite simply, nope. (laughs) That sounds like something I would say. I don't think anything really blew it out of the water. You were like, how are we going to figure this? And I said, I I will ask you. So, Jonathan, I will ask you, is there a game that you think has hit the hive mind of RPGness that hard? I don't think so. No, because here's the problem. Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I think, might might be that game. But the problem is it's not out of beta yet. Yeah, and even then, uh, I've heard. I've heard. There were a couple of games that that, that had some hubbub around them, but nothing, nothing with a big wallop. No, I completely agree. I think I have to give you the full five. I don't think there's anything that even came close to hitting the mark oh, that yeah. hard. My nope was nothing but net. I don't, I don't know what's with all the basketball analogies today. <laughs> it's fair. Your kids are in basketball. All right, what did I say for my second one? Because I seem to recall thinking to myself midway through the year that I really botched the hell out of this one. Given all the baggage that the solo movie came with, they will salvage the movie with a Rotten Tomato score of 70% or higher, but it will be the lowest grossing Star Wars film. So let's go over to... I feel like I was kind of right here. Metacritic. Oh, and the Rotten Tomato meter is exactly at 70%. However, you... Oh, Rotten... I looked at the Metacritic. Oh. You silly fool. I might have nailed this one. I, I, I might try to get off on a technicality here. And considering you're like... Oh, how dare you? you are, how dare you? Currently, I'm 10 to 0. That's the sound of a slap against the face. Currently, I'm 10 to 0. I, I, I may may try to go do that. I may... I Going for the sweep. <laughs> Sweep the leg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sweep of the leg, Johnny. Okay. Hold on. I'm trying to find Solo. Solo is at Rotten Tomato 70. You're right. You're right. Right on the button. God, that feels like a six-pointer. Okay, but but <laughs> here's the other part. But it will be the lowest grossing Star Wars movie. Outcome. Box Office Mojo has the 
Original total of the Empire Strikes Back at two hundred nine million, and Solo oh, got two hundred thirteen. Adjust that for inflation. That's nonsense. That was not part of the deal. No, you said it would be. For you didn't say lowest My- grossing adjusted for inflation. You said lowest grossing. That and is, it is implied not. because it's like a four to one conversion on the dollar. It is not the lowest grossing film sir oh that's nonsense that is that is, that is the leg sweep right there that's sand in the eye <laughs> you, is what that you know is. if you want to adjust for inflation i think you should have said that i think you should have said that out loud now since you did not say adjust for inflation i'll i'll let you be 40 percent correct I'll, I'll go for a two-pointer oh 40 percent yep oh my. <laughs> I, i'm i'm willing to give myself four for that one three just because i didn't say three so, adjusted for inflation three I can't wait to see what the listeners say about this. I think this is nonsense. <laughs> I'll give you three points. I claim heresy. Three points. Final offer. I mean, I'm going to take them because I'm winning, but I, I'm gonna, I'd love to hear what the listeners think about this. I think this is shenanigans. I'm officially throwing my red flag out on the field. It's shenanigans. All right, Jonathan, I'll give you the five points because you want to know what? I completely agreed with you on all accounts, so every point you get, I get. There you go. Five points. You want the five. Fine. I get five points, too. That net gain does nothing. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe you tried to adjust it for inflation, me. Yeah, well, I, I realize I'm like, wait a minute, whatever points you get, I'm going to get. So it doesn't even matter at this point. <sighs> yeah, adjusted for inflation, it's it's massive. Well, and, and also the, the box office mojo separates the, the various re-releases into separate things. So if you add all those together, it, it's crazy huge. All right. What was, what was my last prediction, Jonathan? All right. Let's see here. I'm all riled up after that. <laughs> you said... Somebody's going to take the lessons of Mansions of Madness and app board games, and somebody will take a stab at an app RPG. It won't forget the physical side of it, but the mechanics will be handled in the app. We will hear about it by the end of 2018. And I said, no, we won't. <laughs> and as it turns out, you should have listened to me. We, we didn't even see one from FFG. Yeah, I know. Like, they didn't release an app-based one. I, I know. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that it hasn't become a thing yet. You, you think? I, I bet we'll see it in 19. I, I, I truly do believe that you are correct. I just think we're a year off on that. Uh, I don't know. I, I've heard uh, I've heard various people say that that's coming around the corner for years now, and it just hasn't happened. So no, nah, but mansions, mansions. I bet they're seeing a pretty penny on that. That's selling real well. I, I I bet we'll see we'll see something else using an app in nineteen. I just don't know what it'll be. I like that prediction. I think it's a good prediction. I just think you 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 were a little too quick. Once again, I get nothing. <laughs> And I believe I get the full five again. Yes, you do. All right, let's go to the last section here. What did I say? I I feel I'm not getting the five points here. A new revenue record for a tabletop Kickstarter RPG or board game will be hit in 2018. You said one of the two will be dethroned. At the time, 7th Sea had $1.3 million and Kingdom Death had $12.3 million. So what was the outcome, Jonathan? Uh, let's see here. Looking at the stats that you pulled, we've got, uh, on the RPG side, we did have a winner. Yep. Stronghold followers toppled 7C with 2.1 million. Yep, yep, yep. Unfortunately, on the board game land, uh, Kingdom Death continues to reign like the 900-pound gorilla. And the only thing that came even remotely close, and this wasn't even remotely close, was Nemesis with 3.9 million. Oh, and Tainted Grail made like 4 million pounds. I, I, I didn't see the conversioning on it. There was no conversioning after it was over. Only like six point five seven million. Kingdom Death remains the champion. So Jonathan, here, here's here's the trick. I I, I think you're right because you you said what you you said only one one of those will get not both. 
Yeah. So I, I, I think you were correct. One of them did win. So I, I yeah. okay, here's the thing. I countered with nothing will touch Kingdom Death, but I think RPGs can make it. Hmm. I didn't specify I was going for the gold, partially because we had just made up that rule and I forgot about it. But I did say very specifically, I could see it happening in RPGs, but Kingdom Death will remain supreme. And that is exactly what happened. I think that's worth five points to each of us because my prediction was accurate. Right, but I went even more specific than you, and I'm saying I deserve six, and you're going to win regardless. So just give it to me. Just let me have. I'm 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 okay with that. I think that was a very good good prediction. <laughs> that was a good counter. That was a good six pointer. Yeah, but I believe that that means that I I scored. Uh, well, hold on. Let me let me let me let me let me is tell that you this. Max point. Uh, no, we both scored nothing in round two. Round two. Uh, on which? Let's see. Uh, sorry, round your. I scored lots of points in round two. You, you no, 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 no. You said you will have your shelf of opportunity zeroed. Oh, that one. That wasn't round two. That was round one. That was round one. That was round one, second guess. So, yeah, yeah we both. Oh, yeah, yeah. I came close to the, the perfect score. You did. But yeah, Jonathan, you have 25 points for 2018, and Robert has 11. <laughs> That's right. Back to back. Back to back. Yeah. And that is why I did my prediction about uh, Star Wars 9, because uh, I, I suck at this game, and uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. You want to know something, though? I'm now remembering when the D6 generation, Craig was terrible at this game, too, and he tried to do a prediction like that, and then he ended up being right. <laughs> oh, no, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> That's one I do not want anybody to be right about. <laughs> Maybe I should go and do it and record a different one. Like, just coming over it, like, badly dubbed. It's like, and my third prediction is the Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie will be awesome. Oh, man, why did people get excited about that? That looks like a horror show. I completely agree, and I think that's why it's going to make all the money in the world. <laughs> what What am I missing there? Uh, you just weren't of age of Pokemon. I, I'm barely skirting it, and, and I, I, I see it. Okay, okay, you want to know why I think... Okay, this was almost my prediction. I'll, I'll, this will be my tiebreaker if it comes up. Detective Pikachu, I think, is going to make bank. And my prediction was almost it's going to be the top three of the year. That was, that was almost what I went with. But I decided I was going to take one for the team for Jedi. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll change my mind and I'll go with this one instead. But yeah, my... I mean, I, I have no doubt that the movie's going to make money. I think it's going to make stupid money. But, I mean, what, what I'm saying is... I look at that little CG Pikachu and all I see is a friggin' nightmare, like chewing on my innards while I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so this is like, he just freaks me out, man. He does not look Jonathan, like a Jonathan, cartoon. this is what I want I want you to think about. This is what I want you to think about. This movie is very specifically based off of first generation Pokemon. Do you remember when Pokemon Red and Blue and the Pokemon card game? Do you remember when the, what year that was when those came out? Do you know? Oh gosh, that would I mean I think I was working at Software Etc at the time. So <laughs> oh my god, you worked at Software Etc? That's amazing. Yeah, right next to a B Dalton. I would work at the B Dalton bookstore in the morning and then go next door and work at the Software Etc at night. What mall was the this? Entire summer. Uh, Mission Valley Mall in uh, beautiful San Diego, California. Nice. That's rad. They were right next door to each other. I would literally walk from one right next door. Well, first I'd go down to the Chinese joint at the end of the, the row and get some really good orange chicken, considering that they were later closed by by the health department, probably the source of some of my ailments, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> All right. So Pokemon uh, red and blue came out in North America in September of 1998, right? Okay. Yeah. That, that would be about the time. Yeah. Okay. So P 
people, kids and, and, and all of that who are getting into that game, um, you know, they're probably like, what, what was the age bracket you think that we're playing the Game Boy version of that game and into the card game? Tennis? Tennis, yeah, I, I would say I, eight to twelve. I think is probably the spread. Yeah, I, I saw some older kids playing it. Like the nerdy kids would also play it. So that was twenty years ago. So how old are those kids now? They're in their thirties. They probably have. Fa- they're my wife. Yeah, yeah, they're in their thirties. They may have kids of their own. Kids who have also grown up with Pokemon because Pokemon oh, yeah, has no, gone anywhere. I, I yeah. have no doubt that it's going to make stupid money. I'm I'm with you on that. It's going to make dumb money. I think it's going like, to. Here, my prediction was: I think it's going to be top three of the year, and I think it's going to have. Uh, uh, a Metacritic or uh, I Rotten Tomatoes or something. I was I was going to go high, like 80s. I, I thought it was going to – I think this movie's going to be huge because it's tapping in to the nostalgia because the, the, the people who grew up with that generation of Pokemon are the perfect age to throw a lot of money at this with their kids. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I would say it's probably going to break a billion. Yeah, that's my thought too. I, I, I'd say that with, with authority. Yeah, and I think – Do we want to make this a bonus a bonus round? Uh, do you have a bonus, bonus one to, to do? Are we going to go for four? We go for four. This is our game. We can do what we want, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed. Do, do you have a fourth prediction? So I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to I'm going to one up you and say it'll break a billion bucks. I, I I actually agree with that assessment. I don't. I think it'll break a billion bucks too. But that wasn't part of your. No, no. My, my my original prediction. It's going to be the top one of the top three highest grossing movies of the year, and, and get eighty okay. percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's the easy, easier one to get. I'm I'm going to agree with you and and just one up it and say it will break a billion dollars globally. Globally, globally, yeah. adjusted for inflation, whatever you want. No, 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 no. A billion dollars is, is worldwide. Like, yeah, no, no. You need to go higher if you want the bonus. Oh point. no, I feel obligated to say these things now. Okay, since you're splitting hairs. <laughs> That's because I just wanted points, jerk. Um, you sold yourself out. Are, are you going to go for two billion? Are you thinking this is going to do Infinity War money? No, I'll give you six for Infinity War money. <laughs> I've said my piece. I've said my piece. Okay, so you're going to buy my stock. Okay, fair enough. So what's your fourth bonus prediction now that we're doing a bonus prediction? <laughs> I'm going to have to go re-edit this into the fudge it. We're, whatever. It's not going to happen. We're going to do your do, do a fourth one. Come on. Come on. We're doing this right now. E3 2019. We'll see a new console. Oh, too easy. That's almost a given. You think? Yeah. Between Xbox and PlayStation? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah, actually. I think it'll be either Xbox or PlayStation. We'll, we'll reveal at, ni- at, at E3 19. Oh, I have insider knowledge. Now, now, mind you, it won't be ready. It won't be released until holiday 20. Well, here's the thing, Jonathan. It can't be Sony at E3. Sony's not going to E3 this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I found that but out. I'll, I'll just say this. Or was that last regardless year? Regardless of the trade show, regardless of the specific trade show, either Sony or Microsoft will announce a new machine, but it will not be available till holiday of 2020. Hmm. Holiday of 2020? Holiday of 2020, I dis- probably November. I disagree. You disagree. I disagree. I, I will split hairs on that. I, I don't think the I don't think we'll see a new console until twenty twenty one. Wow. Okay. All right. So I will disagree. That was very specific. You were very specific. I I I I, so I, I agree you? with all of your statements except for twenty twenty. So I, okay. I will disagree. I, I the semantics will will win me victory in that one. <laughs> or cost you. Well there you go, folks. There it is. <laughs> so the outcome and our, our fourth bonus prediction. Discussion around around the predictions this year <laughs> including including a new never before seen nor planned fourth round <laughs> man when i when i opened up that rotten tomatoes page and i saw that 70 percent, i was like oh yeah i i thought i had that i thought i had that i went to i went to uh metacritic instead yeah i don't i don't like metacritic i think i think i don't like their their aggregate i i think rotten tomatoes is a more accurate 
view on movies. All right, all right. Right on the button with the 70. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why you got over double points than me. More than double. But, Jonathan, you there, there's a crack in your armor. You did. We did both not score on a round, which isn't new to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can be overthrown. I'll be the first to, I'll be the first to, to say that. I, I There's no way I'm going for a, uh, for a 10-peat on this one. But I think I got a three-peat in me. Hmm. Oh, well, well, time will tell. We'll, we'll come back to this in late this year or early next year, depending on timing. That sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. Well, Tell you what, Jonathan. Jonathan? Yes. I, I, I'm kind of liking the shelf of opportunity thing. We, we should keep it going. You should try to zero your queue out. I mean, I'm willing to, I'm willing to see what I can do there. Like, I am uh, I'm aggressively culling my collection right now. So, so should we keep this up? Should we fire up a new list for the 2019 and, and see where yeah, you're at? Yeah, let's do it. I, I think that's, that's fun for the whole family, really. Oh boy, I get to call this list Electric Boogaloo. That's my favorite. Okay, I'm all in on this. <laughs> I am all in now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of episode 54 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. Just make sure they're the ones that we're actually using now. <laughs> Robert, would you care to remind the lovely folks at home what we're doing now? Uh, uh, we are getting rid of Facebook comments on our articles because the Facebook group has pretty much replaced that. Yeah, so go to the Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. Some of you haven't. Why? 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 Well, Robert, that brings us to the uh, the bittersweet end of another episode, which means any final thoughts? Yeah, I have no clue what we're going to do next time. This is weird. It's 2019. What, episode 55 or episode... 55, yeah. 55! Oh, I'm going to that song. That is what we're doing for episode 55. What, you can't drive 55? Yeah. Also, Jonathan, again, very weird. Your kid's almost here. That's bizarre. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Legitimately, next month. Can I, can I tell you something about, uh, about your announcement that I'm very, very glad about? What's that? So you guys were jerks, and you recorded all your calls when you told people that you were pregnant. <laughs> and then you posted that on the... Uh... That, that was my wife that was being the jerk, not me. You were party to the jerkness. You are a jerk by... Uh, by uh, I was party to anything, man. I'm not in charge of you. Anything. You are a jerk via the transit of property, sir. So just just accept it. Just own it. Just lean into Marinating it. Marinating in jerk? Yes. Oh, God. If, if you are an accessory to a jerk and you do not stop the jerkiness, you are a jerk yourself. Just deal with it. I had the best jerk chicken in Jamaica mm-hmm. from this little stand on the side of the road. I mean, honestly, it was mind-blowing. I didn't realize chicken could taste like that. Anyway, sir, I am really glad that before... I, I got my wife on the phone. I put a shirt on because otherwise I would have been, you know, topless on that video when you posted it. And that I don't know if I'm prepared to deal with that because I was not wearing a shirt when you called me, but I put one on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 So, so are those your extended final thoughts? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, man. We just need to end it. Just, just, just take me out back and old yeller me. Well, that... That brings us to the only thing we have left then, Robert. Party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 